Welcome to the Ruby Book Club podcast, where we read an hour of a Ruby book each week and dissect it with you. I'm Saran, developer and founder of Code Newbie. I'm Nadia, developer and director at Ignition Works. So today we have a surprise. We're interviewing Pat Shaughnessy, the author of Ruby Under a Microscope. Pat, you want to say hi? Yeah, this is Pat. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to have you on. And I'm so excited to read this book because as I mentioned to you before we started recording, I've had this book on my personal reading list for quite some time for like, since I first learned about Ruby. And what I find so interesting about it is, you know, on this show, we've read, this is the fourth book, we've read three books before this. And the other three are very practical. They're, you know, refactoring, use this tomorrow. And this book is kind of different. This is more about the internals and having just a deeper understanding of the Ruby language. Why are you interested in the internals of Ruby? Um, great question. Why Why did I write this book and why should anyone read it? Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, well, to me, it's as simple as this. I just think it's a lot of fun. I've always thought it was fascinating how programming languages work. And I don't know, when I'm writing code or working on something in Ruby, in the back of my mind, I always think about like, what's really going on here? Like, why does this happen? Or why does that do that? Or why does this not do that? Or why does it take so long? I don't know, I wonder about those sort of things. And so I guess I'm just naturally curious. And, and you know, along, the, along with the theme of the book, I'm sort of, I, you know, I like to think of myself as an amateur scientist. I wonder a lot about, you know, how things work and why things work the way they do. And so, you know, that's the whole experiment theme, I guess. Um, so same thing with Ruby. I just think about that a lot. So, um, but ultimately it's just, I think it's just fun, fun to learn and fun to find these things out. So you mentioned that you were generally interested in how programming languages worked. Which other languages have you worked with? And why did you choose to write a book about Ruby's internals as opposed to any of the others? So the simple answer is there. I just don't know anything about any other languages. Ah. <laughs> so I did, uh, yeah, I've been programming for about 20 years. And early in my career, I used C and C++, um, you know, at different jobs. And then I did some Java and some JavaScript. But I think I really have focused a lot more in Ruby than I ever did with any other language. And so I know a lot more about it. And I think I like Ruby more than any other language. You know, I, I think it's, it's a beautiful language. It's sort of interested me more than any other language has. Um, there's something about it that's uh, special. I don't know how to describe it. I think if you're writing code in something like C or Java, it's not as much fun. It's not as, uh, I don't know, it's not as a much of a creative thing as it is with Ruby. Um, there's something about Ruby that makes me feel more interested and passionate about what I do. Um, so maybe it's the first language that's also interested me that much to do something like this with. That makes me really happy to hear because, you know, I, I love Ruby because it's my first and really like the only language I, I actually know and I can code in with some type of confidence. But I also feel like, you know, I'm, I'm very biased because it's my first language. So obviously I love it. So when I hear someone like you also talk about how much they appreciate it, it makes me feel like, all right, cool. I'm good. I'm still I'm still one of the cool kids. It's fine. <laughs> so I appreciate that. <laughs> and I do think about Ruby is I think it's it's easy to learn. and It's easy to use. So uh, there's something about not only the language, but the community mm -hmm. that uses it. Yeah, I think it's a much bigger, um, not bigger. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of people use programming languages. Um, but there's something about the Ruby community that I think that's more interesting and open. And um, there's more different types of people. There's more diversity. Um, more people are learning programming for the first time who uh, who use Ruby maybe than 
some, some of the more older technical languages. So yeah, I, I not only enjoy the language, I enjoy the community around it as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So before we start recording, we were talking earlier, you said that writing a book is, you know, taking a leap of faith. And, you know, I think you took a very smart leap because when we announced we were reading this book, people were super, super excited. And, you know, even before we picked this book, everyone's telling me, oh, like, you know, once you get a little more comfortable with Ruby, make sure you read this book. It's really, really great. Knowing that this is not so much a practical book, but more of, you know, the the internals of Ruby and trying to understand it almost in a more computer science-y way, were you surprised at the reaction to this book and at how much people really enjoy it? Yeah, no, I'm grateful. I um, It really is a leap of faith. It's, it takes months or years to write a book. And, you know, all along that process, you're just thinking to yourself, you know, why am I doing this? You know, I aren't there better things in life that I could be doing right <laughs> now as opposed to writing this? So, yeah, it's a real... Um, it's like going on a journey. It's like going on a trip mm -hmm. somewhere, except it's sort of like an inner journey, you mm -hmm. know, into your own mind or something. Uh, that's the one way of putting it. But, you know, if you're going on a trip somewhere, you have to think to yourself, why am I going here? Is there anything interesting I'm going to be finding here? So it was the same thing about learning uh, how Ruby works for me. And by the way, I, I didn't know anything about how Ruby works until I started learning and working on that. Um, so it was a sort of... Uh, it was a trip where I could discover things along the way. Um, but yeah, yeah, I was one, one bothered, not bothered, but I was worried that people would never read it. And, you know, why would anyone want to know this? So I'm grateful that, you know, you guys are reading it and, um, and, and bringing it to, uh, to your uh, listeners as well. So thank you. That's really interesting that you said you didn't know much about the internals yourself. And so writing the book yeah. was your way of learning it. And I, I think that's a really fascinating way to try and learn things, to write a book or to try and develop a course or something. Um, was there, do you remember something in particular that really surprised you about the internals of Ruby? That surprised me. Um, hmm. That's a great question. I guess, I guess what surprised me was, well, the computer science, so what you just mentioned, there's so much computer science behind it and just the amount of things that are going on behind the scenes. You know, like when you write a Ruby program, I use some really, really simple examples in my book, you know, like 10 times do all those, mm. all those um, silly examples. But even if you're writing a larger program, it's usually a pretty simple thing. Um, and when you realize for the first time how much it takes to make that code work, you know, how much is going on behind the scenes, or put it a different way, how much the... Ruby core team, you know, Matt's and all of his friends in Japan and around the world, how much work they put into building this. It's really, I guess that was amazing to me, you know, that how much went into it. Um, and I hope that's one of my goals with the book is um, I hope that we can bring or, you know, through the book, I can bring that work to, to light, to really shine a light on all of the amazing work that Matt's did and, um, you know, Koichi Sasada and all the all the folks in Japan and, and outside of Japan that have worked on Ruby, they've done, you know, literally over 20 years of work on this. And so it wasn't like it just sort of sprung out of nowhere. It, it was a lot of hard work that built the, the language. So um, so discovering that was, I guess, my biggest surprise. And I hope from for readers that they'll appreciate that as well. So one thing I'm, I'm really, really curious about is 
your process for for writing the book, but also just your process for learning. Because I know it's a it's a pretty popular thing, especially in our community, to learn a new framework, a new language, just by picking a simple project, a simple app, you know, coding it, kind of, you know, figuring out along the way and using that project to really, you know, have a deeper understanding of it. But when I think about writing a book, that's not really the way I imagine that that happens. You know, I assume (laughs) that when you write a book, you go into it as an expert, or at least, you know, like 75% of the way there in terms of knowledge. And then you kind of fill in the blanks uh, as you see fit, or you realize, you know, you have a couple of knowledge gaps you need to, uh, you need to fill in. But writing a whole, and it's, it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty long book, right? It's about a couple hundred pages, if I'm remembering that correctly. Writing that much and having to first learn and understand it at a deep enough level to then go in and decide what's relevant, what's not relevant, and to figure out when to introduce different concepts. That's a ton of work to, you know, to to take on uh, for a subject that you're also kind of just learning yourself. How how did you do that? Yeah, how did I do it? I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I think there's two different two different things that go into into writing a book. One is learning about the subject matter itself. Uh, but the other is learning how to write a book and how to right. write in the first place. I mean, yeah. that's not, and that, you know, so I did the best that I could on both counts. Um, and I think I did better in some ways than others. Um, but so let me tackle those separately. So for learning about Ruby itself, I did it it's just really the old fashioned way. I think there's, so there's a great blog post by Alan, Aaron Patterson about, um, how he debugs Ruby programs. And I think it's called something like, um, I'm a Podest debugger. Yes, I'm a Podest developer. Yeah, so um, I can get the link later if you want to post it. But um, basically what he says in that article is, you know what, when I'm debugging things, I don't actually use a debugger. What I do is I just put in Podest statements into my Ruby code and print things out and I can figure out what's going on um, by just looking at the output of those statements. So I quite literally, um, not because of Aaron, just, just also the way I happen to work too, I quite literally did that for figuring out how Ruby itself works, except that instead of Ruby, um, I was working with the C code behind Ruby, Ruby itself. So Ruby is a big C program. And I'm, you know, I've programmed in C before. I know C. Uh, I use it at you know one or two jobs back in the 90s, but I'm not an expert C programmer. And so for me to figure out how Ruby works, all I did was I just put in printf statements in different parts of the Ruby source code. And then I would run a Ruby program, either something simple that I wrote um, or an actual real program that maybe I took from somewhere uh, and try to just figure out what was going on. And so the reason I go into this is that it wasn't all that hard. It wasn't, I mean, it was hard, but it wasn't impossible. Uh, it took a lot of work, but it didn't take years, you know. So I, I would encourage other people to do that. And not be afraid of, you know, looking into Ruby internals and trying to figure out how Ruby works as a programming language or, you know, any programming language works. Um, and I would I would hope that, you know, the book can help you a little bit with that and hopefully encourage more people to um, start hacking on Ruby and maybe help out um, with, the, you know, bugs or help out the Ruby core team on the things that they're doing. Um, with the writing side of it, you know, that was a whole different process. And... I did the best I could. I got a lot of help from my editor at No Starch Press. Um, I've been blogging for a few years, so you know I've just had a lot of practice writing different articles uh, around different on different topics. Um, and I just you know did the best that I could. Um, and 
you know, with some professional help, it came through, it came out okay, I hope. But um, that's a whole different thing, you know, like, what am I trying to say? And then is one thing, how do I say it? That's something else. Um, so it was hard on both counts, but it was just a lot of fun too. Did you choose to write a book in this case because you thought you were super interested in really knowing more about the Ruby internals? And if you set yourself the challenge of writing the book, then that was going to be the most effective way for you to become an expert at that stuff? Well, I, th I think what happened was I kind of stumbled onto the topic. So I'd, I had been writing a blog for a few years about Ruby and, you know, I was just picking different topics. And then I started to become interested in Ruby internals. And I wrote a few short articles about it here and there. And it seemed like something that people were interested. I got more, you know, response from those. And then I got more interested in myself as I started to sort of peel away the onion a little bit more and dig deeper into, you know, into the language. And the more I learned, the more interesting it became to me because I started to get a better appreciation of what was going on. So, so yeah, I think it, you know, it was just something that I was personally became, I became more and more interested in it. And I, I realized that other people were as well. Uh, so it felt like it was kind of a need. The community needed something like this. I mean, there's there's a great book about how Ruby works called The Ruby Hacking Guide, I think. Um, but that's become a little bit out of date. It was written back um, maybe over 10 years ago now. And so, and it was about an older version of Ruby. So it just seemed like a good time for something like this um, to be written. And maybe that wasn't out there yet. So now that you've written the book, you've published it, you know, it's out there, people really appreciate it. How has writing the book affected your own coding, you know, especially given that it's more about the internals than it is, you know, refactoring or something more directly and obviously applicable? Uh, has it affected your coding or your, um, you know, the way you think about programming? Um, yeah, absolutely. So you're right. It's not a very practical book. I'm not saying to you, you know, you should write this line of code and you should not write that line of code. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um it's more about giving you um, a sense of what's going on behind the scenes and more importantly, the computer science behind what you're doing. So what I, um, what I tried to do in the book was to draw a lot of pictures. So there's, I guess, two reasons for that. One is it makes the writing easier. You know, like it's a lot easier to describe something if you draw a picture than it is mm -hmm. to start ty type in a lot of words. Yeah. So it was a right, it was like a crutch for me. Um, <laughs> but also I think, um, it's great. It's great to visualize sort of what's going on. It makes it a lot easier to understand. And I think, you know, I would hope that if you read the book that after you do, after you read it, and you go back and you work on some Ruby code, that hopefully some of these diagrams will come back to you, you'll start to, um, you'll start to visualize or imagine what's going on when you do this, or when you do that, and you'll just have a deeper understanding of, of what the code is actually doing, not what your code is doing, but what well, I guess what your code is doing, but maybe you didn't realize it was doing it that way. Uh, and so and so I think ultimately it is a practical book. It, it's going to teach you by teaching you the computer science behind pro programming or at least Ruby programming. It will um, lead you towards writing programs that work better, you know, that run faster, that um, that don't use as much memory. Or if you have problems with performance or memory or whatever, you'll start you'll have a sense of maybe what's wrong. So yeah, um, and you know, one of the things I said in the um, in the introduction, actually, and sorry to ramble on, but um, no, go for it. one of the things I said in there was I got a sense for how the Ruby core team kind of intended us to use the language. You know, by getting by seeing what, how they wrote Ruby and by learning a little bit about how Ruby works, 
I felt more confident that I was using the language the way that, you know, Matt's intended it to be used or, you know, the other folks who, who built Ruby instead of, you know, just like slapping code together, whatever way is easier. I started to write it in a way that I hope, you know, the, the, the Ruby team wanted us to use it. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it totally does. So do you feel like there are wrong ways to use Ruby? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You can write you can write programs that don't work, <laughs> that have bugs. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> um, you know, that run really slowly. Yes, there are, I wouldn't say good or bad, but I think there are ways of writing Ruby that are, that go with the flow, that use the language sort of the way that it was intended to be used, is what I said a moment ago, but... With programming languages, like with human languages, you know, there's, with every language, it's, the language is good at doing certain things in certain ways uh, and not doing things, you know, and it's not as good doing other things. So yeah, <clears throat> I think Ruby is good at doing things in a certain way. And once you get a sense for what that is, I think you start to use the language in that way, I hope. So Ruby gets a lot of flack for, you know, not being super fast and you know, being inefficient and all, you know, all these other complaints. Now that you've, you know, read the book, or not read the book, now that you've <laughs> written the book, done all the research, you know, gotten all the feedback, do you feel like those complaints are warranted or do you feel like the people who, um, you know, have those uh, criticisms of Ruby just aren't? using the language efficiently or just don't understand it uh, in, a, in a deeper way. And if they, if they did, maybe they would be more okay with how Ruby works. I think there's fair criticism. I think Ruby is not the fastest language out there. Um, so I think there's a lot of fair criticism about Ruby. But it is what it is. I think it's great at doing certain kinds of things. Um, and as long as you understand the nature of Ruby, what it is, how it works, you'll learn when you should be using it and maybe when you shouldn't. There, there are a lot of programming languages out there. Each language is, you know, was designed to do a certain thing or to solve a certain kind of problem. Um, I think what Ruby does, in, in my opinion, and, you know, everyone has their own, you know, different opinions. What I think where Ruby shines is that is in how easy it is to learn and how human of a language it is and how natural it feels when you're writing Ruby code. Uh, you know, and I think where it, it's less uh, of a great language is if you're looking at things like, you know, raw performance or memory management or, you know, static typing, which Ruby doesn't do, of course. Um, so there are other languages that are great at other things, and that's fine. You know, you should use the right language for the for the problem. But I think for me, Ruby is uh, unmatched in, um, in just how natural it is and how easy it is to learn and how quickly you can build working applications with it, which I, I think is great. So people can criticize it or uh, complain about certain things, but I, I think understanding what it is and using it for what it was intended for um, is is important. It's interesting because since I've been using Ruby, which has been around four years now, um, I also learned it at Bootcamp and it's basically my only language. I've only read all these blog posts about why I'm leaving Ruby, why Ruby's dying, and it's been really depressing and <laughs> sad. Right. But I read one recently that said why I've moved back to Ruby. And the, the, the writer said, I've realized that Ruby is the only or one of the best languages that's put developer happiness first. And it's not about a load of other things that other languages might give you. At the end of the day, Ruby is fun and it makes me happy. And so that's why I'm going to code in it. And I, I really like that. I was like, yeah, 
that's great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it, it's sort of like a pendulum, you know, it swings back and forth. And, you know, over the years, certain things are more important to programmers. Like, uh, I think now static typing is becoming more mm. in vogue or more trendy. And, you know, there are languages that are statically typed that are becoming popular. Um, I won't name names, but, but, you know, Ruby is getting a lot of criticism for not doing that. You know, I so I actually I met Matt's once at a conference. It was in uh, in Barcelona, and I asked him, you know, what do you think programming will be like in five years or or ten years or twenty years? And he told me that you know I think programming is going to be much more of a human uh, exercise and much more of a high level. You'll it'd be more like having a conversation with the computer rather than telling it exactly what to do and all of the mi- in minute detail the way that it is today. Uh, and I so it just got me thinking about you know, Matt's philosophy and, you know, what the ideas behind Ruby and they're very, um, it's not all about performance and speed and uh, efficiency. Um, it's about how the language is, you know, using it, writing it and, and, and what you just said, how, how fun it is to write uh, Ruby code. So I think those are really important ideas and, you know, we don't want to lose those, um, in Ruby or in, uh, you know, other languages should try to, to pull in some of those ideas as well, I think. So very recently, I think at one of the Ruby conferences, uh, Matt's did a talk on Ruby 3.0. And one of the things that was mentioned was that there might be some form of static typing introduced to the language. Um, Do you think that would be a good idea for Ruby? I don't know. I think um, that's a uh, controversial topic. (laughs) Uh, I know um, a lot of people disagree about that. so I don't know. I I think so. I have nothing against static typing. I think static typing is great. Um, getting a compiler to help you find bugs earlier rather than later is a great thing. But uh, again, I'm afraid that you know if we if, you know if we start implementing things like that and start having a compiler that is more strict and more uh, more of a, a part of your everyday life then, um, you know, we are in danger of losing some of that magic, some of that, that um, you know, sense of, uh, of having fun as yeah. we're writing code. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm worried about that. But, I, you know, to be honest, I don't know how it'll work out. I think that's exactly what the Ruby team must be worrying about is how do we bring in some of the benefits of static typing and, and other things, um, but not lose uh, what, everything that we've already got going for us. Uh, so it's a tough challenge. I don't. So the answer is I don't know. Mm-hmm. Fair, fair answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really appreciate Nadia your point about you know a bunch of people leaving Ruby, which I've definitely seen, which has also been depressing for me. <laughs> uh, Ruby being my primary language, and then you know hearing people come back to it is also like yes, okay, we're still in the game. That's awesome. Um, and so Pat, you know, since you've been you know, coding for for longer than either of us, are these just trends like is it really just about you know phases and and does it actually matter you know when we see the the wave of people leaving and then coming back or maybe never coming back and then there's a new language and a new thing in programming that we've all Mm -hmm. decided is super super important like how how much should we actually pay attention to that and how much of it is just you know times change Mm -hmm. people get bored and you know just kind of make your own decisions like how do you how do you balance that um, great question. Uh, so I think I- I'm skeptical that the technology really changes that much. And the reason I say mm-hmm. that is, or what I mean by that is, um, the more I learned about how Ruby works and the more I learned about Ruby internals, I started to realize 
how old the computer science is behind Ruby or or any mm. programming language. Yeah, you know, it's uh, what's that famous expression? We're standing on the shoulders of giants, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, if you if you learn about the computer science, and and again, that's one of my goals with the book is to teach people a little bit about the computer science behind programming languages, really just scratch the surface of it. But the more that you learn about that, the more that you realize, oh my God, these ideas are like 40, 50 years old or whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, some of the the key ideas behind um, compilers and, and garbage collection or closures or, you know, any number of topics uh, in programming languages, they were all worked on by people in the 1960s or even earlier. Um, so, you know, the, I, the underlying ideas behind programming languages change very slowly and and, um, and not very often. So, you know, uh, new languages come and go. Um, I don't, but the technology underlying them doesn't change very often. So I think it's, um, you know, as new languages come out, it's just a different, it's a different way of looking at how to solve the same problems. Now, you know, having said that, I think, there's more to programming languages than technology mm. and code. Um, there's the whole social community side to it as well. And so that's another part of, you know, what's going on is, you know, who are the people using the language? How do they communicate? How do they meet? You know, when do they meet up? You know, what companies are sponsoring them? Uh, you know, what products, sorts of products do they work on? So there's a lot more to it than just technology. But, uh, you know, the technology, at least, I think that's a lot of that's very old and and very uh, static, um, and that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think it's, by the way, I, I think it's great that, you know, by the way, everything you've done with Code Newbies and bringing programming to new people and to, you know, expanding the community, I think it's fantastic. Thank you. Uh, and I hope that, um, you know, as you read this book, you'll get a sense of some of these sort of older computer science ideas. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. I hope that um, it maybe becomes a little less intimidating you know, I know that my book is not that easy to read. And there's a lot; it's pretty dense. There's a lot of material in there, but um, I, I try to break it down in a way that you know people can follow along. And I and I hope that um, you know people who are new to programming that maybe they didn't major in computer science in college, or you know maybe they you know they did something totally different. Um, they have a very different background. Now they're getting into programming for the first time. You know, don't be intimidated by all these sort of computer science concepts. I think. Um, you can learn all this stuff and it's not actually that difficult. It just takes time and focus and you can learn how all this stuff works. Um, so that was one of my goals as well with this um, is to expose people to, you know, sort of the 1960s or mm-hmm. 70s um, computer science that are, you know, that's behind a lot of the stuff that we do even today. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's excited me most about this book so far. I mean, we're around, we just finished the first couple of chapters and reading about things like, tokenization, parsing, compilation, and actually getting a grasp of on a high level at least what that stuff is and being able to communicate that to other people. That's really exciting to be able to do coming from someone who doesn't have a computer science background at all. Um, But what I would ask you is what would you say is the best way for a Rubyist to use the book, particularly ones without the computer science background. For example, when um, we were reading 99 Bottles, one of the recommendations then was to type out all the code. And that doesn't necessarily translate in this case. So I wondered whether you had any suggestions for um, people reading the book and reading along with us, how we should uh, go through it to get the most out of it. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good question. You could try running the experiment. So I tried to, um, uh, so the whole sort of science theme, I tried to bring some experiments into it to make it a little more practical. Uh, and so you, you could just run those. Um, that code should work if you just type it in. The other thing I did was pull in some of the C code as well, because I felt... I felt like there's no reason why um, people couldn't follow in my footsteps a little bit. Um, you know, there's no reason why you couldn't open up the Ruby project itself and start reading the C code um, in there. And if you're not if you're not familiar with C, you've never looked at C code before. I can understand that would be intimidating. Um, so you know, you would need to maybe learn the basics. But um, if you've been programming for a few years, um, even if Ruby is your first language and you're not familiar with other languages, you know, I, I'm i trying to open that door to you a little bit, you know, get you to maybe take a look inside of Ruby at the C code and try to uh, read along a little bit about, you know, with what's going on there. So th those sections in the book where I do show some of the C code, those are intended to be sort of like um, signposts or little guides or markers for you to follow or look for. Um, things that I thought were interesting about um, the Ruby C source code. So, you know, that's not for everyone, but if you're interested in hacking on a programming language and getting your hands dirty with that sort of thing, I hope the book would be helpful and, yeah, sort of point you in the right direction. Even if that's not really your, if you're not interested in that, I just, yeah, maybe try running some of the experiments and, um, you know, start to learn what the computer science is behind uh, behind the language, you know, what does garbage collection mean or what does a compiler do? Uh, and so, yeah, it's not, um, it's more of a uh, theoretical background that I'm hoping to convey. So when we were doing some research, uh, we saw that this is your only book. Is that correct? It is. Yeah. So do you have any future books planned? Can we expect like a Ruby Under a Microscope Part 2 or anything? Or was this kind of like a one-time experiment and now you're, you're done and no more books? No, I definitely want to continue writing in the future. I don't have any immediate plans, so I'm sorry. But um, I would love to do <laughs> we something forgive you. in it's the okay. future. <laughs> um, you know, and Ruby itself is changing, you know. So I wrote this back in 2013, most of it, uh, in 2012. You know, and even since then, a lot of, not a lot, but a few things have changed. Um, so, you know, I, you know, maybe someday I could, should update this at least. Um, but I, I do enjoy writing and I enjoy um, sort of the whole teaching process. So I, def I definitely think that's in my future someday. Well, I can say for myself that I really, really appreciate your writing style. I definitely appreciate the graphics. It's one thing Nadi and I talk about all the time. It's like, oh, I'm so glad there's a visual because it's just mm -hmm. it's so much easier to communicate, you know, that way and to really pick it up. And one thing that I found um, really helpful for myself is to just redraw some of those diagrams and kind of put my own notes on it. And and, and I'm a huge oh, cool. like color code freak, so I have like my different colored highlighters and pens and stickies uh -huh. and you know, recreating a lot of that okay, stuff cool. is super helpful. So I, I personally really appreciate your writing style. So if you did, um, you know, if you're looking for a, a little push to maybe write something, this is your push. We'd love <laughs> to read it uh, and really appreciate your work. Well, you know, I have a request for you guys. It's been great listening to you too um, so far. And my only, my biggest reaction was, why didn't I have you guys 
sitting next to me while I was writing this. Like, <laughs> I, I love getting feedback, but it's been years, yeah. so it's like years yeah. later. It's like, next time I write a book, I want you to like fly in and sit in my office. Whoa, and, there you, know, you go. You know, <laughs> or I'll email you each page when I finish it, you know, have you just like go over it because <laughs> your, your feedback is awesome, but it's just like way too late. <laughs> the book is written four years ago. So, uh, you know. Sorry. So if I write a new book, I'll definitely reach out to you too and see if I can get you. Um, if you want to do like, um, what is it? Like a revised version? or whatever yeah. there you go you got to uh, get a whole bunch of feedback if you, if you ever <laughs> want to do like the latest edition the revised edition exactly but yeah that's the problem with writing a, a, a print book because like it's printed and like that's, that's it it's true. on paper yeah. you know right you know. okay <laughs> yeah so I was talking to my husband about this the other day and to me like that is the most terrifying thing about writing a book because almost anything else you can edit you can tweak post, you can delete delete. even if you write or even like if you you know produce a song like the song is only a couple minutes it's fine but like a book right. that's huge that's a huge <laughs> yeah, commitment yeah. so <laughs> power to you for that yeah were you thinking about writing a book Saron? <laughs> no <laughs> not after interviewing you all should the do authors. it yeah absolutely go for it there's also something magical about having um you know a piece of paper in your hand though and having like, a true. physical object that you produce so you know Goes both ways, I guess. Yeah, I got the um the ebook and the printed, and I just oh man, I just love having the printed. It's just something about just flipping through the pages and like smelling the paper <laughs> and like it just feels right. it feels alive. Like I love it. I love real books. Yeah. Yeah. So we want to know what did you take away from the interview? What are you most looking forward to in the book? Tweet us at Ruby Book Club. Pat, do you want to say goodbye? Goodbye. Um, thanks everyone for reading. I really appreciate it. See you next week. Cheerio. 